Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Therefore, let us also, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such contradiction of sinners against him, that you don't grow weary, fainting in your souls. You have not yet resisted to blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation, which reasons with you as with children. My son, don't take lightly the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with children. For what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have been made partakers, then you are illegitimate and not children. Furthermore, we had the fathers of our flesh to chasten us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days punished us as seemed good to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. All chastening seems for the present not to be joyous but grievous, yet afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been exercised thereby. Therefore lift up the hands that hang down in the feeble knees and make straight the paths for your feet, so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. All right, today we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go back to verse 1 here. Therefore, let's also, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Now here's a question. Do you think the author was viewing those Hebrews 11 faith heroes who had gone before as spectators from the heavens? Is he saying that people in heaven can and do observe the current events of this world? This passage may suggest this, but I'd say there isn't enough scriptural evidence to prove it definitively. Regardless, we can definitely say their lives were a witness of having faith in God. In light of their examples of faith and endurance, we too should run our race set before us with perseverance. We are to lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily entangles us. Now in horse racing and what's called a handicap race, horses will carry various weights. The faster the horse, the heavier the weight for a greater handicap in order to level the field. Now the slower horses which don't have any weights or have lighter weights, they're advantaged in that way and therefore more capable of possibly beating one of the faster horses. This kind of levels the playing field. This also makes betting on the horses more unpredictable as all competitors have a reasonable shot to win. So what are some of the weights and sins that can slow us down and set us at a disadvantage 
in our endurance race as Christians? What makes our Christian walk more unnecessarily difficult? What distracts and hinders us from running the race more efficiently and effectively? The Holy Spirit in this verse is essentially asking us to identify these handicaps and then strip them off. What worldly pursuits are consuming our time and energy that should rather be invested into God's kingdom? Career pursuits, time with a hobby, obsession with entertainment, selfishly spending money on various passions of the flesh? If we stripped off some of these weights and redistributed some of that time, energy, and those resources towards enjoying a relationship with Jesus and pursuing the kingdom of God, how much more useful do you think we could be? God will certainly use us if we're willing and available. Maybe He's already working in us to bear fruit for His glory. Even so, we can always be on the alert for these weights and sins which can creep in and slow us down. How fast do you think you can run around a track with a pair of boots on? Let's put on the spikes and run the race efficiently. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now in any race, the competitors will typically look ahead towards the goal, which is the finish line. So I like running 5K races, and when I'm running a race, especially when I'm getting towards the end, I try to have a laser focus on the finish because I know if I start looking behind and there's people breathing heavily and catching me, I'll get so distracted, I'll worry so much about what's going on behind that I'll lose sight of the goal of the finish line and I'll start slowing down, I'll start losing confidence that I can win the race. So in our endurance race as Christians, we can ask ourselves, is Jesus our focus? He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It begins with Jesus. It continues with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. He is the source for everything we need to run the race effectively. Now it says in verse 2 that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. For those of us who are in a personal and saving relationship with Jesus, he is the joy set before us. As we take up our crosses daily to follow him, Jesus himself, while on the cross, endured its shame as he fixed his eyes on the joy set before him. So who was the joy set before Jesus? Perhaps it was the Father whom Jesus loved with all of his heart and whom he perfectly obeyed. Perhaps we are also the joy set before Jesus as he certainly had us in mind while he suffered for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Being in a saving relationship with Jesus is a two-way street. We love because He first loved us. Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise Him. He has caused Him to suffer. When you make His soul an offering for sin, He will see His offspring. Don't you think that Jesus saw you when He was dying on the cross for your sins? Don't you think that you are the joy set before Him for which He endured so much suffering and pain? On to verse 3 here. For consider him who has endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, that you don't grow weary, fainting in your souls. You have not resisted to blood, striving against sin. Jesus is the ultimate example of enduring hostility from sinners, and he endured to the point of death. 
How many of us complain about the smallest of sacrifices and the lightest of circumstances? None of us have yet endured hostility against our Christian faith to the point of physical death. And yet there are people in the world literally dying for the name of Christ. According to opendoorusa.org, in just the last year, over 360 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Nearly 6,000 have been killed for their faith, and another nearly 5,000 have been detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Now verses 5 through 13 touch on the discipline we as Christians receive because we are children of our Heavenly Father. When we believe in Jesus and become adopted into the household of God through faith, God treats us like a good father with his child. Because he loves us, he isn't going to let everything slide when we're off track. He's going to correct us and redirect our course. Verses 7 and 8 say, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with children. For what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have been made partakers, then you are illegitimate and not children. For those of us who are parents, we know the importance of disciplining our children, right? Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. In a similar matter, the Lord doesn't despise his children. Because he loves us, he is careful to discipline us. I remember when I was a kid, I got in trouble with a group of friends and my dad found out he didn't discipline all of us. He disciplined me. I am his son. It's not his job or concern to discipline the others per se. When we are disciplined as Christians, it may be tempting to look around at the world and think, it's not fair that we're enduring these things and being punished for certain things when it seems like the world's getting away with it and they're prospering all the while. But really, we just need to have some perspective here. It's a good thing to be disciplined now by the Lord as his children. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, When we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Be grateful God treats us as children. Don't envy the ways of the world and those who seem to prosper by it. The writer of Psalm 73 exclaims, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no struggles in their death, but their strength is firm. They are free from burdens of men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride is like a chain around their neck. But the writer contemplates and eventually realizes their end is destruction. There is absolutely nothing to envy about the wicked who go unpunished in this life. It goes on to say, When I tried to understand this, it was too painful for me until I entered God's sanctuary and considered their latter end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You throw them down to destruction. How they are suddenly destroyed. They are completely swept away with terrors. It can be hard at times to receive discipline from a parent. I remember as a kid, it was usually very unpleasant in the moment. Looking back now in hindsight, I see how the discipline from my parents was useful, helpful, and actually necessary. When I was maybe 11 or 12, my dad had bought us kids, me and my three siblings, 
a really nice and expensive inflatable raft. We had like nine acres along the river and we'd often spend the summers rafting, fishing, and swimming. We were told to never leave that raft down by the river in the low-lying plain, but rather to always walk it back up the hill to the house and put it away in the garage when we were finished with it. We were lazy and indifferent towards Dad's instructions and would often leave the raft down at the riverbank. Well, it rained one time and the river flooded and we lost the raft. We then covered up what had happened until eventually my dad found out. Man, we were in trouble. That whole scenario had exposed that I was ungrateful, entitled, selfish, lazy, and a liar, among other things. I had some serious character issues and that punishment from dad was honestly a long time coming. But I appreciate now that they had the love to discipline me and try to course correct me It was not fun to be disciplined by dad, but looking back, I'm really grateful that he did. Proverbs 12.1 teaches, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. When the Lord is correcting something in our lives, it's natural to want to run away from that correction and stubbornly hold on to our old ways instead of the change he is requiring. God knows what's best for us in the long run. It's better to submit to his chastening hand sooner rather than later. And if we choose to ignore him, sometimes he may eventually get our attention in a more dramatic and painful way in order to teach us the necessary lesson and redirect our course. We can be reminded in seasons of discipline that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Verse 11 says, All chastening seems for the present to be not joyous, but grievous. Yet afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In verse 12, Therefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, so what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. My inclination is to throw a pity party for myself when under discipline, to be grumpy, to pout, and to make things more dramatic and difficult than they really have to be. Woe is me, I think. I'm tempted to wallow in sorrow and receive the correction with grumbling. But I think verse 12 is saying, get over yourself, have a positive outlook and receive the correction with humility, without delay so you can move on with healing. I remember back in the day when Rajan Rondo, who played basketball for the Boston Celtics, dislocated his left elbow against the Miami Heat during the 2011 playoffs. Man, it looked so bad and painful and made you just want to turn your head. Now, I can't imagine Rajan Rondo just wanting his elbow to remain there out of socket. I'm betting as painful as it was to put it back into place, he was probably relieved to get it relocated and probably wanted it done as soon as possible. Hebrews 12.5 tells us not to be weary when reproved by the Lord. And again, verse 13 instructs, and make straight paths for your feet, so what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Take me in through Christ 
Abba Father from the Adams Road album Son of Man.
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 28. Grace and peace be with you all.